If we could just find dog cancer early enough, almost 50% of all cancers could be cured. That's right, cured. And that's according to the Veterinary Cancer Society. But how do we detect cancer early enough? Well, what if a microscopic worm could sniff a sample of urine from your dog and reveal the presence of cancer before there are any apparent signs? Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Hello, friend. Today, we delve into a fascinating topic at the intersection of biology and veterinary medicine. We're talking about a tiny worm that may have huge potential in cancer detection, a microscopic roundworm called Centerhabditis elegans. Well, I probably just butchered that pronunciation. No wonder that this little worm is usually known by its first initial only C, as in C. elegans. C. elegans is known for its simplicity and usefulness in scientific studies. So what does this tiny nematode, basically a tiny worm, have to do with cancer detection? Well, here is the theory being researched. C. elegans have a highly sensitive olfactory system capable of sniffing out specific chemical signals. The fancy scientific name for this movement towards chemicals is chemotaxis. Researchers have found that C. elegans move towards cancer-specific markers in urine samples. The idea is simple. It's that these tiny worms could show us that cancer metabolites are present in a urine sample simply by moving towards them. This dead simple method shows promise in detecting various cancers early. And that, of course, is a goal in cancer treatment because early detection results in better outcomes. Now, this is emerging technology, so it's important to approach it with cautious optimism. The published papers show a notable sensitivity and specificity of C. elegans in early cancer screening. But there are still questions to be answered. Can these worms distinguish cancer from other conditions like chronic inflammation or a urinary tract infection? We haven't seen the answers to that yet in a company in Japan that has been using C. elegans to screen for human cancer early is facing some questions about its accuracy from that country's incredibly skeptical medical establishment. But what about dogs? After all, this is dog cancer answers. And there is nothing more that we want than a good, simple, easy to obtain early screening test for dog cancer. And a simple urine catch where you, you know, get a little bit of your dog's pee and it doesn't require refrigeration. Well, really, that couldn't be easier for us dog lovers, right? Well, today, we are talking to two special guests who are using this simple urine test today, a test that includes urine and C. elegans to find dog cancer early. First up, Dr. Paige Wages, a veterinarian who says the new screening test Oncotect is changing the way that she practices medicine. It's helping her find dog cancers early, sometimes even before the dogs show any signs of cancer. Then we'll hear from Chan Namgung, the entrepreneur behind Oncotect. His enthusiasm and insights into the commercial and practical aspects of this technology are eye-opening. As you listen to these interviews, remember that science is a field of exploration and constant learning. 
While C. elegans offer exciting possibilities, it's part of a larger puzzle in our ongoing battle against cancer. Research is ongoing, as I said, but the test is available today. Is it the groundbreaking development that we've been hoping for? Stay tuned as we set out on our journey of discovery and cautious optimism. Let's delve into our conversations. First up, Dr. Page Wages. Dr. Page Wages, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So I know you live on a place that you call the Wages Funny Farm, and you have a whole menagerie of dogs and turtles and peacocks and ducks, and a bird may actually join us during this conversation. So that's great. So one of the animals that is not on that list are worms, but you're using them in your practice to detect cancer. Tell me about that. It's true. So we are using worms. I don't use, well, that's not true. I have dried worms that my chickens eat. So I do. Okay. But But um, not for dog cancer. No, 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 no. But there is a new test that's been developed by Oncotect that uses worms to detect cancer. And it's for, they smell the gene, cancer genes and whatever is turned on is my understanding of the test. Mm -hmm. So I am just a practitioner in the area that was approached by the company when they were first starting to see if they could use some of our samples of urine. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's in urine, which is pretty easy to catch, very easy to do. And we give them urine. It used to have to be frozen, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be anymore. And they feed it to their worms and then spit out whether or not we think the dog has cancer. So it's a pretty cool technology. And how many of your patients have you tested using this technology? Oh, I don't know. A lot. A lot. It's been out for a couple of years. So yeah. we've been doing it since it came out pretty much. Right now, it's only in dogs. And so I generally will test anybody over the age of six or anybody that we're worried might have cancer and we haven't found it yet. Mm -hmm. So if there is any suspicion, we'll send the urine off. Or if it's just an older dog as part of a regular wellness screen, we just send it off. And so, I mean, a lot. Are we talking dozens, hundreds? Hundreds, probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you've been described as an evangelist of this. You really like this? Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Is that true? I will definitely talk the test up to anybody. It has been an amazing game changer for me in practice, for sure. It has changed the way, you know, for us to be able to detect cancer so much earlier, it's pretty awesome. It's really neat to be able to be able to give that to our clients as an option. Are there some anecdotes or stories you've had with specific patients, clients who you were able to use this test with and then were able to detect cancer early and it turned out a lot better? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the number of splenic masses that we didn't know were there mm-hmm. <laughs> that the test picked up. So, you know, hemangiosarcoma. Well, they came back other ones too. Okay. So with the results, when they come back, you get low, moderate and high. And so the low ones, we don't worry about the moderate and the high ones. We recommend doing an ultrasound of the abdomen and chest x-rays. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we find some things and sometimes we don't, but the majority of the ones that are moderate or high are high, moderate have something. And so we've been able to screen those patients and find a mass on the spleen and go in and take it out, get a biopsy on it. We're done. Don't have to worry about it. Or we found some cancers in the chest that you never know are there until they're a problem. Or a couple of dogs had mast cell tumors that we didn't know were there or coming. And then we've had a couple that had lymphoma and we didn't know. So Hmm. if we can catch those cancers earlier, 
and start treatment earlier, it will prolong the life of those patients. So do you sometimes just do, you said you do this with senior dogs. So you're doing this with dogs who, I mean, are just older, they're not showing any signs that would indicate cancer. Correct. So we'll do it on dogs that we're worried about because they're losing weight or for some other reason, or we do it as a general screen. I think that voice you heard was your bird, right? That is the bird. <laughs> She's coming. <laughs> Warning. <laughs> I believe in Dog Podcast Network. This is a first. Um, I love it. I'm very so, sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's great. I, I think everyone who's enjoying this podcast probably likes the idea that a bird is joining it. So, in terms of some of the the false positives or the you know like that you've got, and then obviously the corollary of that is a false negative. How do you address that? We haven't had a lot of false positives. Okay. So the dogs that have tested positive. If we didn't find something initially, it shows up within three to six months. Okay. So those dogs, if we don't find anything on the first scan, we'll recommend redoing the testing yeah. in three to six months and see sometimes, and I've had a couple where I think a gene was turned on and then it turned back off because hmm. we'll do the urine screen again in three to six months and it'll be low. Mm -hmm. So there may have been something that was there and then it turned off. Your bird is mugging for the camera. I'm very I just, sorry. I, I think it's just adorable. Uh, again, a first for DPN, and, and, and I love this. So on the dogs, you didn't see anything for six months, and then, and then, I mean, what were your thoughts as a vet who's like, I mean, what do you think when you see that? It's like you're coming back with the test, and you don't see anything, and then six months later, you do see cancer. It's just a conversation to have with the owners, is that mm -hmm. there's, there may be something coming. And, you know, it does put people on edge for a couple months. But again, if we can catch it early, the flip side is if it's high, we find cancer, we cut cancer out, we can use the test as a screen to see if it's coming back. Mm. So those dogs will test negative if the cancer has been removed and not coming back. So if you have good margins and no metastasis, right? then the worms don't smell the cancer. The worms don't smell it anymore. So we had a dog that is semi-aggressive, so she's kind of hard to do an assessment on a lot that had an oral melanoma no. that was removed and tested positive at the time. It was coming in for a MET check, and we decided to send off the urine cancer screen instead, and it was low, which meant we didn't have to do any more screening, which was good for us and good for the patient because she didn't have to be sedated again. Wow. So when you get back a test that indicates, yeah, there's some risk of cancer because it doesn't say where to look. So you said, you know, a lot of these have been hemangiosarcoma. Where do you begin scanning? What do you begin doing? I mean, you're, you've already palpated the dog at this point, I'm sure. And yeah, and again, you don't see, I mean, some of the masses we find are tiny little guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's there somewhere, we just have to find it. Mm -hmm. So if we don't see anything, I'll aspirate the liver, and that's where we'll find the lymphoma, or we'll aspirate the spleen and we'll pick up something there. But it's, the cancers we found are more than just the ones that the test says that it finds. Mm -hmm. So soft tissue sarcoma is, we find myosarcomas, which are, generally benign, but shouldn't be there. We've seen other things and, you know, some of them come back benign, mm -hmm. which we take it out, we're done. And then we don't have to worry about it. So, and it's, it's, like I said, it's a different way to think about medicine in a little bit and screening for your pets. When you first heard it, when the uh, pioneer of this in your area in North Carolina came to you and said, Hey, do you want to try this out? What did you think when you started learning about the fact that this is basically worms sniffing for cancer? I thought it was very strange. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, worms would, but you know what? I like to believe in people and I thought it was an interesting idea Yeah. and I'm always willing to try anything once. Right. So right. we started sending samples and started getting results and started doing the scans and it was a no brainer that it is a really good test. 
And how have your clients received it? It's interesting because, you know, you get a lot of the concern with some of my other doctors is they're going to get kickback. Is the client going to be like, is this really a thing? Like, is this going to work? It's not an expensive test at all. There are some other cancer screening tests out there that are pretty expensive. And you can sometimes not tell the difference between inflammation versus cancer. So they're not as definitive. This one is we have cancer or we don't. And so it's pretty straightforward. And, you know, there might be one or two. I think there's been two in the hundreds that we've sent that it didn't detect the cancer. But it was the cancers that were there were not ones that it was supposed to, you know, that they have found that they can find. What's the most bizarre cancer it did detect? We've gotten brain cancers. We've gotten, like I said, the ones that are kind of like gee whiz are the lung ones because you just, you have no idea. I mean, I, we had a dog come in for a blood work and a dental mm -hmm. and we did the blood work and sent the urine cancer test off, did the dental. Dog did great. No problem. Test came back positive, had him bring him back in, did a chest x-ray and there's a huge tumor in front of the heart. So, I mean, it was just kind of an interesting thing. And now we just, we can monitor that, you know, for the owner's sake so that they can kind of watch and see. And that we aspirated, it's benign, but it's there. So, How frequently do you run the test on otherwise healthy dogs? Personally, for me, every time I send off a panel on an older dog, I add the test. Is that an annual? Well, if it's an older dog, so we try and do them twice a year. Okay. And what does it cost? I know you're in North Carolina and prices range, but what does it cost to a client to do that test? It's between 120 So we have a discount if we send it with their blood work. Yeah. You know, if we do it at the same time. Right. There's a discount with it. If they want to do it by themselves, then it's about 200 Okay. And then do your clients, once you told them, no, I really like this test, and do you explain to them how it works? Or they, they just want the results? I mean, it's just so interesting. to We just say, I'm going to send some urine off for a urine cancer screen. And they're like, okay, great. So, I mean, it's really neat that they are willing to do that. So why do you suppose this is not more readily accepted and adopted by, by vets across America? I think the currently the test just recently went to a mail order mm -hmm. so that you can send the urine through the mail yeah. with a special, it has a solvent in there that keeps the urine fresh, whereas before it had to be frozen. Mm. And so that was kind of a limiting factor is the urine had to be immediately frozen and then transported frozen to the lab. And so we're local to the lab, so it was easier for that. Mm -hmm. But now that we can do it by mail, I think... I think the test is going to go like wildfire. I hope people will pick up on it because it's all you have to do is you can go online, order the test, they ship it to you, you catch the urine, put it back in the mail, you're done. Has the efficacy changed at all? What you've seen since they changed from frozen to, to mail? Not at all. Mail the pee. Mail order pee. Mail order pee. I think there, there's probably a, a something there. So which types of clients would you not want to use this test or recommend this test for? I don't have anybody I wouldn't recommend it to. Okay. So in terms of the acceptance rate among other veterinarians, because that's the thing, because once you start learning about this, it just sounds like it's better than sliced bread. Are we really just on the cusp of something big in terms of early detection among veterinary cancers? We'll start with dogs. I mean, I think it's hard for some people to think that there's something out there that might show that there's something coming. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, you just have to think about it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas before it's something's going to show up eventually kind of thing mm -hmm. and we'll find it then. But if we trying to get people to think about preventative medicine is a little bit harder sometimes. So you're a general practice vet. I'm a general practice. But you obviously see a lot of cancers in your community. Do you work with any oncologists? We have some oncologists around us, yes. Okay. So there are a couple that we, there's two main specialty or three really specialty clinics around us that do 
some oncology, yes. Okay, so when those oncologists get involved and you've had an opportunity to talk about this oncotest with them, what reception have you heard from those doctors? They actually have, one of the oncologists in the area is actually on the board with the test. Mm -hmm. And so he's pretty much been educating the ones in the area about it and we get pretty good acceptance with it. Wow. And how many years have you been practicing veterinary medicine? 20 years. Have you seen anything like this in terms of like something that is as simple as this that could make a profound difference? No, it's like I said, it's absolutely been wonderful. I think we've had the test maybe two years or a year and a half, maybe two years now, but it has changed the way I treat or screen patients for sure. Obviously, folks who are, are watching this and listening to this podcast are very interested in dog cancer. What advice would you give to dog lovers who are concerned that their dog may have cancer? I would order the test and run it. I mean, there's no harm in doing the test. Your veterinarian doesn't have to do the test. You can order it online and you just put in your veterinarian information. If the test comes back positive, your veterinarian will be notified of the test results as well. Mm -hmm. And then there is a, a phone line people can call if they have questions about the test. It's fascinating. What, if any, financial interest do you have in the company? I don't have anything. Okay. If it's $200 for you to find out if your pet has cancer yeah. versus $1,000 to do an ultrasound and x-rays, it just seems like a no-brainer to me. So, And a lot of people lose pets to cancer, and so they're scared that their next ones are going to have something. So I have, I mean, I do have clients that since the pet turned two or three, we're running the, you know, they want to run the test every year. So that's fine. Wow. Well, I know why you are uh, one of, you're a finalist for one of America's favorite vets, right? Yep. Well, I, I am sure you will uh, become one of America's favorite vets. This is fascinating. <laughs> Dr. Paige Wages, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Well, listener, I have rarely heard a veterinarian as excited about anything as Dr. Wages is about this new urine test. Thanks to her and her parrot, Angel, for joining us today. If you want to catch Angel mugging for the camera, check out our YouTube video where you can uh, watch Angel do its things. Next, we are going to hear from Chan Namgung, the founder and CEO of Oncotect, the company that brought this test to the veterinary market. But before that, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. 
Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damien Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back to Dog Cancer Answers. Now let's go to our conversation with founder and CEO of Oncotech, Chang Namgung. 
John Namgon, thank you so much for being with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So you are across the country. You're in North Carolina, which is where you guys are headquartered. That's correct. And I guess the whole story starts with worms, which is kind of an unusual (laughs) thing to talk about on Dog to Answer Answers. But tell me how worms are critical to, to what you do and to dog cancer detection. Yeah, absolutely. So about five years ago, back in 2019, I came across, uh, well, I have to start with my personal story first. Okay. So my mom had breast cancer. Uh, she's cancer free now. But during that event, I mean, I never had any close family member had any cancer. So it was a really first time. And I had the chance to read on a lot of cancer related articles and research papers. And I came across this research paper that was published by a group of scientists that have discovered that these microscopic nematodes called C. elegans have such a high sense of smell that it can actually detect cancers in human medicine. And I was like, this just sounds too good to be true. But before that, I've heard or I've also read that dogs can detect cancer in human medicine. Mm And they can do that because cancer cells produce very particular smell that's different from normal cells, and trained dogs can tell the difference between two. So I thought there has to be a reason why you know dogs can do that, and if C. elegans with their olfactory receptors can do that, uh, maybe there's a solution for in in veterinary medicine. Mm-hmm. And this is back in 2019, and back in 2019, while they're cancer screening options for human medicine, there wasn't anything for companion animals. So I wanted to find out if it's really true. So I reached out to a local veterinarian who was who found this to be really you know interesting and innovative way to detect cancer. So he helped me with cancer and non-cancer urine samples. And I found a company that can run proof of concept in Eugene, Oregon. So at that point, they came back with a very promising data. And I was like, okay, now that I have this promising data, like, what do I do? So as a, um, you know, a serial entrepreneur, I was like, you know, just hell with it. I'm going all in. <laughs> so that's how I started the business. Okay. Well, that's how you started the business. But let's talk about these little microscopic worms that can sure. smell cancer. I know you're not a scientist yourself. You're a, mm. you're an entrepreneur, and I totally respect that. But I'm trying to understand a little bit more of the science about how these, you know, because like there are anecdotes, obviously, of dogs being able to detect human cancer, but they're not used with any sort of reliability. Sure. How is this superior, say, to dogs being able to smell? So they have a neuronal receptor that is responding to these cancer metabolites Mm -hmm. that are in the urine that contains them. Right. And they're actually attracted to them. They actually like the smell of cancerous metabolites and they actually respond in their olfactory receptor they actually respond to that and we measure the responsiveness of their neuronal response and then based on the strength of their response we can categorize dogs as low moderate and high risk and what you said about like, why is you know dogs not being used to detect cancer in human medicine then well the reason for that is because it's really expensive to train dogs to you know carry out the task and it's not commercially scalable platform, mm-hmm. right? Because dogs are like humans, like they can only do so many. And also it's very expensive to train dogs. So while we know that that's possible, no one has been able to commercialize it. Well, 
what we have done is we've been able to create a commercialized scalable platform where we can use worms to detect uh, or screen cancer risk in dogs' urine samples. What degree of effectiveness? How efficient is it? What do you mean by how efficient? How fast we can do it? or No, but in terms of how accurate, like what's the accuracy? Yeah, so we've been running this our test for over, over two years, and we've done over 650 dogs of all shapes and sizes. And based on the clinical data we have, our accuracy, our sensitivity is 83%, which is true positive. Mm-hmm. And our specificity, which is true negative, which is 96%, which is compared to other you know, liquid bio, blood liquid biopsy tests that are in the market space, we are compatible or even better than some of our competitors. Okay. We'll start the entrepreneurial journey first because clearly, you know, you're focusing right now on pet cancer. Dogs and cats or just or just dogs? Just dogs right now. Okay. But we do have plans to start testing and developing a test for cats later this year and, and potentially for horses next year. Okay. But I would think that this goes so much beyond animals to humans, which is what the initial research was done in detecting cancer, right? That's right. Is that sort of the basis for what you're doing? You're trying to do, you know, test it in the animal market is well, so many companies <laughs> that we talk to and then sure. eventually roll it out. Sure. No, there is a human implication for our technology. And, you know, I would be lying to you if I'm not thinking about it. But we are really solely focusing on veterinary medicine, uh, canines, felines, and equines. Because the human medicine is on a totally different level, requires a lot more capital, a lot more time. Mm -hmm. And we really want to focus on the veterinary medicine right now. But, you know, five years, 10 years later, you know, where we'd be, you know, I can tell you. And so, again, just to geek out, with me a little bit about these nematodes is that sure so tell me the life of a nematode what can you tell me about nematodes like you know? uh, so c elegans is just a scientific term of these nematodes worms they're the very first multicellular organism that was ever dna sequenced okay so we know everything about these worms and they're actually if you ever study biology or if you ever study like toxicology C. elegans is a model organism. So mm-hmm. a lot of scientists use C. elegans to study, again, like pharmacology, toxicology, stem cells, cancer cells, environmental study. So it's widely used worm, but they use it for different purposes in different disciplines. Mm-hmm. What we have done is we are really honing on their olfactory receptors and their sense of smell mm-hmm. and using that to you know, screen cancer in canine urine samples. Okay, so... Again, I'm just like envisioning how this works. They get a sample of urine and the nematodes are introduced to it. And then they are looking under a micro. I literally I'm trying to like visualize sure. how yeah, this yeah, works. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, two methods that we are running. The first method is called chemotaxis, which is really literally we place urine samples on the agar plates. Mm-hmm. And then we put nematodes in the middle and we reobserve their behavior, migration behavior. And then we quantify their behavior, and that's how we get the chemotaxis index value. The new method we are developing and we are using is we are actually literally measuring the calcium activity of a neuron that I was telling you about. And depending on how intense they are responding, we can measure and indicate whether there's a cancer risk or not. And the calcium level is somehow connected to their olfactory senses? That's right. So they're drawn to the aroma. So the second method that I was telling you is called microfluidics method. And we actually trap them in a very small microfluidic chip. And we pass through urine samples. 
yeah. and then they respond depending on whether there's cancerous metabolites or not, or VOCs, cancerous volatile organic compounds or not. Wow. Okay. And this is all done at your facility in, in North Carolina? That's right. How long does it take? You said, you know, I asked about efficiency earlier. How long does it take from when you get a sample to being able to get a result? Depending on how many samples we have at the time, but, right. you know, our promise to our consumers or our, you know, veterinarians that we work with is within five business days. Okay. So that's pretty quick. And you've done this so far with 600 dogs, like... 650 dogs. 650 dogs. And does that include, you know, like both the commercial project as well as the scientific? Or That's just a commercial. That's just like paying customers. Okay. So we've had like 650 paying customers and their dogs that have gone through our test. Okay. So I get a sample of my dog's urine or a veterinarian gets it and they send it to you. And what is the report that comes back? What does the veterinarian see? And is there a different type of report for dog lovers? A very good question. First of all, there are two ways to send a sample. One is through veterinary hospitals. We are working with about 70 hospitals across the country, and we have international clinics as well. And if you, your local vet doesn't offer a test, you can buy directly from our website. Mm -hmm. And then our kit comes with all the collection tools you need to be able to collect urine at home in e easily. So once you send us a sample, we run our assays, and we have two versions of a report, one for pet parent and one for veterinarians. And I just want to make sure that I say this loud and clear, that our goal is never to circumvent veterinarians. Our goal is to work with veterinarians, and we keep them informed and involved throughout the entire process. Mm -hmm. So we have two versions of a report, one for pet parent and one for veterinarians. Pet parent version is a, it's a simpler version than veterinarian version. Shows the risk level, low, moderate, high, and then what the next steps should be. For veterinarian version, we shows the risk level and then quantitative value of the risk that we measure. And then the next steps, as well as a scientific interpretation of what each risk mean. And because you're mainly focusing on the four main types of dog cancer at this point. That's right. That's what we've done studies so far. Is the test indicative of like, oh, this might be hemangiosarcoma or this might be osteosarcoma. Can it get that granular? No, it doesn't get that granular. And, and no cancer screening test in the market right now does that. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, all kind of cancer risk, positive, negative, or low risk, moderate risk, and high risk. Okay. What about false negatives and false positives? You were addressing that a little bit earlier on. Sure. We definitely have false positive and false negatives. There's no test that's 100% in the market, even if it's a diagnostic test, whether it's ultrasound or x-rays, right? They have false positive and false negatives. So far, you know, our accuracy of the sensitivity, again, the true positive has been 83%. Mm -hmm. So there's a 17% that we are not accurately measuring. Right. And then for, you know, specificity is 96%. So there's a, you know, 4% that we are not correctly measuring either. That's just the kind of the nature of science too. Mm -hmm. That hence the reason why the screening test, in order for screening tests to be well adapted and well used, it needs to be first of all accessible. It has to be easy to get and convenient and also affordable. You've mastered the easy to get and the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, we've all known <laughs> we know how to collect some dog urine. But tell me about the affordability. How expensive is this? Sure. So. Our test online is $250. Okay. 
And, you know, compared to our competitors, I'm sure you are aware of other competitors like PetDX, mm-hmm. which can cost anywhere between $600 to $1,000. Uh, I've seen hospitals, mm-hmm. a wide range, but still it's pretty costly. Mm-hmm. So compared to that, our test is definitely more affordable. And in terms of accuracy or false positives, false negatives, how does it compare to something? And there are a number of on the market, but how does it compare to PetDX? PetDX, their sensitivity is about, last time I checked, was 54% sensitivity and 98% specificity. Okay. But their number of cancer types that they measure is over 30 cancer types mm-hmm. versus we are only focusing on four major common cancer types. Got it. And so of the, the 650 tests that you've run so far, how many of those were effectively ordered by a veterinarian versus a consumer saying, this is really cool stuff I want to find out? About half and half. Okay. We do have a lot of veterinarian customers, but you know, because of we're only working with the seventy vet clinics across country, and right. they're out of thirty thousand, right. <laughs> right? There's, you know, we have more work to do. We have a long way to go, and people are finding us through you know social media or you know podcasts, podcasts. like this, and, <laughs> and they want to you know they want to try it, and you know we always encourage them to work through veterinarian channel, right? But you know if their vet doesn't offer it and they want to do it, then you know we still have an option for them to purchase it. And if their vet doesn't offer it, I'm sure you'll send their vet the veterinary report, right? That's absolutely. And going back to what I was saying earlier about like our goal is never to circumvent veterinarian channel and we always want to keep them, you know, involved and informed. Right. Like let's say you purchase it, James, and we don't have any, you know, vet near your you know location. Part of the activation process is for you to input your pet information, obviously, but to input your veterinarian information. And as soon as you put your veterinarian information, we send them an email proactively and let them know, hey, James purchased this kit. This is what the test is about. This is the science behind it. Because we want to educate them. We want to keep them you know, aware of you know, what they're getting, what they're seeing. And then when the report is ready, and this is another thing that we do differently than other differentiate our experiences, that if the result is a low risk, we send the report to you and your veterinarian automatically mm-hmm. via email. But if it's moderate or high risk, one of our vet techs will actually call the hospital first and give them a heads up. Mm-hmm. And then we call you and, and walk you through, you know, what this means and, you know, suggest you to make a follow-up appointment with your veterinarian for their diagnostic tests or for their consultation. And then we send the report to you and your veterinarian. We thought that for especially for moderate high-risk cases, we thought the human interaction is really important because we don't want to panic you. We don't want to go down a Google rabbit hole, right? Right, <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think that's a very distinctive thing. I, I don't know if other early detection companies do that where they actually pick up the phone and talk. Sure. Yeah, we thought that that's a really important aspect of our user experience mm-hmm. because, again, like – Cancer is a it's a big word, right? And right. people don't want to hear that your dog has cancer, and we don't want to concern them, we don't want to worry them, we don't want to panic them. So, we really want to hold their hands throughout the process and tell them exactly what they need to do. Because again, this is a screening test, not a confirmatory diagnostic test. We don't want people to be confused by that. So, we want them to go back to their veterinarian and do ultrasound or first do more thorough physical exam to look for other clinical signs of cancer mm-hmm. and then do like ultrasound or x-ray to confirm or deny the cancer suspicion or to identify the type and location. So I'm struck that half of the results you've looked at right now 
are ordered by vets and half by consumers. Was that always your plan? Because it seems like that's a really high consumer initiation of this. No, our goal was, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> at first our test was only available to hospitals. Right. Before we launched our, you know, kit. Mm-hmm. We only work with local hospitals because at that point, you know, the sample had to be frozen. We have to go pick them up. And mm. so this process wasn't easy. But then once we launched the kit and we came up with the preservative tubes, so you no longer need to refrigerate or you know, freeze, we can go you know, outside of our region to work with the veterinary hospitals or clinics and then you know, direct to consumers. What we have found is while consumers are very excited about our test and this tool, they're still not sure, you know, this is something that needed to do. We also, again, we want them to work with the veterinarian hospitals, but onboarding hospitals takes a long time, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it, it takes a lot to convince them to offer our tests and it's kind of half and half. And we actually have more, I mean, I say half and half, we have more tests that are coming from veterinarian channels than direct to consumer right now. Okay. But I mean, sometimes that's a good entree to introduce veterinarians to a new technology or a a new system. I think I read a statistic that about half of the people who are searching like on Dr. Google for, you you know, does my dog have cancer? Their dogs don't have cancer, but they're concerned about that. So I can see, you know, from a market perspective, this is something that would be helpful. How frequently do you recommend, you know, a concerned pet parent do this test? So we recommend this test for as an annual screening test for senior dogs, seven years and older for normal breeds. But if you have high risk breeds such as Goldens, Boxers, you know, Bernese Mountain Dogs, Irish Wolfhounds, like larger breeds, do that more often like every six months because they are more prone to having cancer. And start young age as young as, you know, five or six as opposed to seven. Mm-hmm. Again, this is meant to be a preventative, proactive approach. Like in human medicine, at a certain age, we do you know, cancer screening, whether it's a PSA, you know, mammogram, right? And not because we think that we're going to have cancer. We just want to put ourselves behind the eight ball. Like we, if, you, if you need to find early enough to have effective treatments, mm-hmm. And all four cancer types that we've studied, they are treatment options. Like they are treatable, really treatable. Mm-hmm. And according to American Animal Hospital Association, half of all canine cancers are treatable if caught early enough. Mm-hmm. Early detection is always the key. We certainly talk about that here at Dog Any disease, right? Uh-huh. Any disease, early detection, early screening is the key. Right. It's just that you know, prior to us, there hasn't been an easy, accessible, convenient way and affordable way. Yeah. to screen cancer in dogs. So when you talk about affordability, 250 is okay. Do you envision as you get bigger that the price will drop? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a definitely economy of scale. Right. And as we further develop our new technology and as we increase our efficiency, I mean, I do hope to reduce the price to, you know, hopefully 150 below point, hopefully, you know, soon enough. But, you know, right now, Online prices two fifty, okay. and a lot of hospitals they suggest because we offer convenience and extra services online, we sell for two fifty. But if you buy from a lot of veterinary hospitals, they normally sell it for two hundred dollars. Got it. Okay. And what sort of reception have you gotten among? Or we'll try different groups. Let's start with 
veterinary oncologists. Sure. There were only a few hundred of those in all of North America for six million plus dogs who get cancer. But what kind of reception have you received from oncologists? Good question. Before I address that, we also pay for shipping both ways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Is that like FedEx? I mean, I imagine that you're no, in, you, in US, USPS. Okay, that's fast so, enough. Yeah, okay. but fast enough. I mean, we get it, you know, within continental to the United States, we get the tax samples back within four to five calendar days. So it's not a problem. Going back to your question, answering your questions about veterinary oncologists, we have two veterinary oncologists on our advisory board. And we also have two oncologists veterinary oncologists that work with us as a client. So we have two oncologists that, that are actually using our test to cancer screen. We presented our science as a poster presentation at Veterinary Cancer Society two years ago in November. How'd that go? Uh, it went very well. Yeah. And our primary target market is a general practice right. veterinarians, not oncologists, because by the time, if your dog is that sick and have that clear signs of cancer, you need to take your dog to oncologist right away. Like right. our test is more primarily targeted for GPs as a part of, you know, senior wellness check. Right. And because again, this is proactive preventative, but so far I haven't heard any oncologist say, and recently, actually another thing we recently was included in today's veterinary practice journal as two vet oncologists wrote that paper and we are one of four options that they presented as a liquid biopsy as cancer screening test. One was breath test, which is actually developed by one of the professors at NC State, who we count as advisor, Dr. Matthew Breen, and then Oncotac for urine options. For blood options, there was a PET-DX and there's a new Q test. Okay. And the two oncologists who are on your board of advisors, who are they? Dr. Dave Roslander, who is a vet oncologist at Blue Pearl, mm -hmm. and Dr. Steve Shaw at Sage Specialty Hospital okay. uh, in California, in San Francisco. Okay. And then in terms of from moving from like veterinary oncologists who are by their nature very busy and skeptical about all sorts of stuff, but yeah, if you can get detection early, do it. But what's the reception been among uh, rank and file general practice veterinarians? Very good. Since we launched the kit and made the process so much easier and simpler for veterinarians, mm -hmm. we've been adding hospitals really like aggressively, at least you know four or five hospitals every week, which is very healthy number for us. And we've been getting really good responses from general practice veterinarians across the country, whether conventional medicine as well as the holistic medicine vets okay. and mobile vets too. And you said that you have some international vets who are you're getting some dogs overseas as well. What countries? We we're talking to actively talking to like four or five vets in Canada. Mm -hmm. We have a one vet that have already purchased and testing in Philippines. Mm -hmm. We have a vet in Spain that's using our test. And we are not reaching out to them. They're just the inbound leads. They find us from social media or just a Google search. Mm -hmm. And then they reach out to us and, and then we work with them. Okay. So uh, going back to, I guess, what I was talking about earlier in terms of people searching for answers like this, you actually, I mean, so you have an active web presence and people find you through through search engines and places like that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So which cancers are likely to be screened with this test? So we've primarily focused on four most common treatable canine cancers. So there are lymphoma, melanoma, hemangiosarcoma, sarcoma, and mast cell tumors. And we've tested other cancer types too, mm -hmm. such as TCC, bladder, prostate, liver, soft T sarcoma. 
The reason we are not making claims for them is because we haven't run a large enough sample size mm -hmm. to publish a paper, which we plan to do this year. Okay. So more to come on other cancer types as well. Okay. And then I imagine there must be some human corollary. I don't know if you guys are doing it or if another company is doing it, but doing this with human cancer. There's another company that's doing in Japan okay. with no correlation, no affiliation. But I don't know what cancer types that they're detecting in human medicine. That's what I was wondering. Like, what does it work for in humans? Sure. Because these worms have uh, really good noses. Yes. Well, Sean, thank you so much. This is fascinating. We're going to be speaking with uh, at least one veterinarian who uses it in their practice because this is such an interesting thing. And, and early detection is certainly a critical part of being able to have a successful dog cancer journey. Thank you so much for being with us today. No, thanks for having me. It's been an honor. So there you have it, listener. The new urine screening test for dog cancer is really interesting. And if the numbers hold out over time with 83% true positive, meaning that 83% of the time cancer is there if the screening test says that it might be, and 96% true negative, which means that you get to breathe a big sigh of relief when it says that cancer isn't present, this test could be a game changer. Early detection makes cancer easier to treat and cure in every way possible. Oncotech seems promising as a tool to screen for dog cancer. Now, our team here at Dog Cancer Answers and dogcancer.com have spoken to a number of other veterinarians and veterinary oncologists while researching this show. And the consensus seems to be cautious optimism. After all, the test is relatively inexpensive, simple, and it might help. There are still questions to be answered about how well it differentiates between cancer and other conditions such as inflammation, but the consensus is that it won't do any harm and it could really help. If you've used Oncotact or are considering it, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us via our website at dogcancer.com or on social media. You can also call our listener line, which is 808-868-3200. That's 808-868-3200 and leave a message. Please check the show notes out for relevant links and more details. A big mahalo and thank you to our guests today, Dr. Paige Wages and Chan Namgung. I'm James Jacobson. And from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcancer.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Does the act of taking paper to pen and writing help to heal a broken heart after your dog dies? Sheila Cooperman says yes. 
She joins us on Dog Cancer Answers to tell her true tale about Tucker, her dog who died last year from lymphoma. Sheila shares how writing about him is helping her heal not only from his loss, but from other heartbreaks as well. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs> 